Hello, I'm Julie. And this is a Good Story is Hard to Find podcast. Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface. Yes. And uh, this week is a follow-up from last week. Um, We talked about Thelma and Louise, the movie Thelma and Louise last week. And this week we're going to talk about Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, which is from (laughs) 1953. (laughs) It doesn't really seem like there's any connection at yes. all, except both of them have two ladies as the leads. That's right. This one is Jane Russell and Marilyn Monroe. Wearing yep. some of the best clothes you will <laughs> ever see. This was a fun movie. It was It was a lot of fun. It was a hoot. Okay, so you hadn't seen it before No, then. I had not seen this okay. before. Yeah, I was, I was trying to think of how many Marilyn Monroe movies have I seen, and the, I could only think of one other one. And it was the one where Tony Curtis and I think it was Jack Lemmon dressed mm-hmm. up as women. Mm-hmm. And that's some like it hot, I believe. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, Billy Wilder. Oh, Billy his, Wilder. Yeah, one of his he classics. He is like a big hero. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. I do like him. Yeah. Yeah. A big yeah. damn hero. Big damn hero. Firefly. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And this is another classic director, Howard Hawks. Yes. Okay. And we watched um, Rio Bravo. Oh, very good. By him. Long time ago. Definitely a different kind of movie. Yeah. 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 Also a movie, though, that seems to be about one thing and kind of is also about another. So that was a Western, but it was also funnier than usual and... Showed John Wayne differently than usual and was talking about community and friendship and, you know, that kind of thing at the same time as under attack from a rich uh, guy wanting to get his brother out of jail. And so this one is about two showgirls who are going to go to Paris because uh, one of them is engaged to a millionaire or a millionaire's son. And they're originally going to go on the ship and go to Paris and get married. And the millionaire's father finds out and he won't let his son go. So um, the millionaire's son sends her best friend with her to go and be a chaperone. So this is Dorothy is the best friend. Lorelai played by Marilyn Monroe is the girlfriend, the fiance. And they go to Paris and there's uh, then a detective who's been hired by the father or maybe the, I, I don't remember who hired him anyway, or the son mm-hmm, to, I think it was the father yeah. to watch so he can take pictures <laughs> that will break up the marriage. Right. Or the, so that's the setup. Yes. On a boat filled with Olympic athletes. How lucky can one person get? <laughs> Evidently just the male team. <laughs> no, the girls were going on a different ship. That's right. That's right. But unfortunately, they go to bed <laughs> at nine. So it's a little rough for Dorothy. That's just when life begins. Uh. <laughs> These girls know how to have a good time. Oh, yes. And so, yeah. So you have Lorelai, who is definitely a gold digger in that she knows in order to have a comfortable life, she has to marry a man with money. Mm-hmm. And as she tells someone, it's just as easy to fall in love with a rich man as a poor man. I guess that's what she's told Dorothy. Dorothy, played by Jane Russell, on the other hand, says she doesn't really care about that. She just wants to have a good time. 
She wants to date guys, mm-hmm. have fun, live her life, I guess earning money as a showgirl or whatever. And she'll worry about all that later because love never really seems to last. And she doesn't add that last part. But the um, this movie comes out of the gates at 100 miles an hour <laughs> with these two in these amazing looking red dresses that are cut from here to there and back again. Yeah, yeah singing we're just two little girls from little rock and that story <laughs> not only introduces them in glorious technicolor but tells their story of how they were done wrong by guys because they're from the wrong side of the tracks and everybody thought they could get what they wanted from them and when they said no uh the guys would go away and then yeah. they said, so they went to other places and found out that men are the same pretty much everywhere. <laughs> so they decided they're just going to be out for a good time. Right. Yes. Yeah. So I, I'm really interested in, in what you, what is the connection with Thelma and Louise? Okay. So <laughs> when I was looking up this movie because I talked about it in various uh, senior communities. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what is there to talk about? And what I found out is that modern feminists have embraced this movie, which you would not think because these ladies wind up at the end. I guess it's not really a spoiler. It's an old movie, but also it's a musical like this. They're both going to get married. That's just how it's going to (laughs) be. They wind up at the wedding at the end. It's Mm -hmm. like guys and dolls. We know what's going to happen at the end. Yes. And um, so you would think the working towards getting married is something that feminists would say, that's no good. But what the feminists say is, first of all, These two ladies know what they want, and they use their resources, which is their sexuality Mm -hmm. and or sex appeal, let's say, because this is a 1953 movie, Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. um, to get it. Their animal magnetism, magnetism. as Henry Spofford III said. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Was he six or eight? I can't remember. Always makes me laugh. Oh, with me emotion. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Not, I don't plan on missing a meal. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so it's interesting. So you're saying that um, they were that that is a difference between Thelma and Louise and this is that Thelma and Louise started to act like men, mm-hmm. and Dorothy and Lorelai never did that. They were no. women through and through, and they were trying to achieve their goals by being women. Yeah, they were just they were just feminine. Right. That's but, what I that's what I mean by that. Being, right. No, being no, feminine. you're exactly right. Yeah. And but they never gave agency over to a man. Okay. So they knew what they wanted and they went after it and they used what they had and the circumstances that they had in order to achieve their goals, as you said. And so by not ever going, oh no, let's go on the run, or oh no, like like when um, <laughs> in case anyone wanted spoilers, too bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler time, yeah, yeah. Um, when they are at the hotel in Paris, and they have no money left, and they have to leave, they just go. 
you know, the detective says, well, I, I can help you out. And she's like, oh, no, thank you. Says Jane Russell. Yes. Says Dorothy. Right. And because here's the other thing that women like, these two have got each other's backs. They are solid friends. They never waver. They don't agree on a lot of things like um, Dorothy doesn't think that it matters if you marry somebody who's rich or you should even care. Mm-hmm. And Lorelai is worried about her because she says she's going to have no money and never have a good time and never enjoy herself and be able to really be in love because she'll be so worried about all that stuff. And at the same time, you know, Jane Russell realizes that Lorelai is way too mercenary, hmm. even though she does seem to love her millionaire. But she says, you know, I think you're the only girl in the world who can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. <laughs> she knows yep. who she is. Right. But they love each other and they support each other to the point that, you know, toward the end when Lorelai's going, okay, I need $15,000. That's going to take me an hour and 45 minutes. And so <laughs> I love she knows how long it'll take. Oh, man. <laughs> to get it out of her her fiance, and so um, Jane Russell dresses up as her and goes to the French uh, court. Right, right. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. how much they're supporting each other. That's right. That was a great scene. <laughs> um, I liked that a lot, that whole thing. <laughs> oh, the, when she was singing The whole singing court diamonds. scene, yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> the whole court scene is just great. Yeah. yeah. This, this movie really goes back to screwball comedies. Yeah. Yeah. They're just fun. It doesn't matter how ridiculous they are. It doesn't matter um, how over the top they go in one direction or another. It, if it holds together, it holds together. And Howard Hawks is just, he's a master. Mm. Yep. But Interesting. does this mm-hmm. make sense to you? It does make sense to me. Um, you know, I was thinking similar lines, um, you know, but... I think, you know, I could, I could see, you know, Thelma and Louise as a feminist movie, you know, like we talked about last time and, and we talked about what that means and what it doesn't mean. Um, and then to this, I wasn't seeing this as a feminist movie, but it's interesting that it's seen as a feminist movie and I can understand why now because they had agency the whole time. Um, so I'm thinking about that. That's interesting. If, if we compare it directly to Thelma and Louise, um, you know, uh, I've forgotten now who is who in Thelma and Louise, which one was which, but uh, Susan Gina. Sarandon, Susan Sarandon, what is like, uh, Dorothy. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, Gina Davis is like Lorelai. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind had that same type of a dynamic there between a person who's more serious and a person who seems less serious, but is really quite smart. Um, and neither of them mm-hmm. is really as confident, neither Thelma nor Louise, as Dorothy and Lorelai. Agreed with and that, yeah. Part of that, I think, is because of the solidity of their friendship and what they've been through based on the first song they sang. Yeah, right. So they've kind of gone through some of the stuff that Thelma and Louise were just going through. Um, one of the other things, and this is similar to Thelma and Louise, where there's not really a strong leading man in Thelma and Louise. Mm. There are men. Yeah. But there's no one main man who stands up equally to them. Yeah. And this movie is the same way. When you think about it, mm-hmm. all the men are kind of seen through, uh, as one thing I found said, the trinity of bespectacled milky toes. 
<laughs> which is the millionaire, an aged lech, yeah. that's Piggy, and a fastidiously intellectual 12-year-old boy. <laughs> and I would say yeah. also the detective who they could have cast somebody better looking. He's not that good looking. Mm-hmm. He's not even got that much charisma, I don't think. Yeah. But, you know, it works for Dorothy, so it who does. cares? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and interesting. Not, and and yeah. I didn't come away feeling that um, I didn't like many of the men in the movie. You know what I mean? Right. Like in Thelma and Louise, I came away, you know, we decided that there were two good men. Um, but uh, here, you know, they, they seem like a lot of good men. Yeah, they're yeah. perfectly, you know, Peggy's probably the worst. <laughs> but it's because he's afraid of his wife. Yeah. And he likes a pretty girl. And he's weak, and it, and he never does too much with Lorelai. Yeah. But, you know, he wants to be the snake strangling the goat, so. <laughs> uh, which sounds a lot dirtier than it is now that I'm hearing myself say it. It's just really showing how a python could kill a goat. That's all. Yes. It's nothing bad. <laughs> right. Um, right. And the detective is doing his job, but trying to uh, take care of Dorothy, who he loves. Mm. But he's got completely the wrong impression of Lorelai. Yeah. He says, you know, that man-eater, she's just out for money. And she's like, you don't know her the way I do. Mm. She is out for money, but she also, as she says at one point, really does love Gus. She says, there's not another millionaire in the world with such a gentle disposition. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, this, some of Lorelai's lines were the best. You know, but she's, yeah. she's thinking about money all the time. And I loved when she confronted the millionaire at the end. And she just said something that I was like, well, yeah, when you think about it that way. The father. I understand. Yeah. 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 So she's talking to the millionaire's dad who is against the marriage. And uh, she says, you know, something like, well, if you had a daughter, wouldn't you want her to marry somebody with money so that – you know, she would be well taken care of, you know? So what's wrong with me wanting that? Yeah, she says, if you don't mind, yeah. uh, she says, aren't you funny? Don't you know that a rich man is like a pretty girl? You don't marry her just because she's pretty, but my goodness, doesn't it help? <laughs> would you want your daughter to marry a poor man? You'd want her to have the most wonderful things in the world. Why is it wrong for me to want those things? And he says, well, I can see that, say, they told me you were stupid. You don't sound stupid. <laughs> And she says, I can be smart when it's important, but most men don't like it. Except Gus. He's interested in my brains. And the father says, no, that much of a fool he's not. But So it's, it's just... Oh, that's perfect. It's just awful in so many ways. It's but it's like, so yeah. right in so many ways. Because what it shows is she isn't an idiot. She's not a dingbat. And we see flashes of that the whole time in between things. Um, she's uneducated, so she doesn't know a tiara goes on your head and not around your neck like a necklace. Mm-hmm. But she does understand about um, a lot of other things along the way. And I also really like about her is that she's not she's not unfair in the sense that she's not trying to lure them into a spot where they owe her something. So when um, Piggy has been in those pictures she gets the pictures and she gives them to him and she says there's no copies don't worry and so then he says oh by jove i wish i could give you something and he kisses her hand and she says well 
<laughs> I would say a kiss on the hand is very nice, but you know, diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> a diamond tiara lasts forever. And he's like, Oh, wouldn't you rather have a racehorse or a, <laughs> yeah, I want diamonds. And so she just cajoles him. She doesn't try to blackmail him. She doesn't say, I still have the negatives or I'll tell Lady Beekman. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's all very good. Yeah. So that's on him when mm-hmm. he doesn't say no. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So she's, she's fascinating and she is smart. Um, yeah. And Dorothy. About what she wants to be. Yeah. And Dorothy is smart like all the time. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I, I really liked her, you know, but what, you know, she wasn't, I don't know. It's like she fell into marriage. Um, she fell in love with this guy. Um, and, and I liked it, you know, it was about three quarters of the way. She said, I'll be danged, but I think I might love that guy, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and that, that was uh, really cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. So she's not looking for that, but she found it. And, yes. uh, Lorelai was looking for, you know, money looking to be taken care of. Looking not to have to worry about that stuff, you know, and Financial she found security, it too, right? Yeah. But she was like pursuing it like mad. And then, um, yeah, Dorothy, so the person she ended up with is not rich. Right. Uh, yeah. But they'll be perfectly happy because Absolutely. they're perfect for each other. That's right. That's right. Well, and a couple of the things um, that I was, I found. They were talking about this movie, and it also made me think about um, Thelma and Louise, in a sense. So, because this movie is, it's really more about the friendship than anything else. Mm. You know, when you stop and look at it like that, yes, they have to achieve their goals. But but if they weren't friends, they couldn't get any of it done. And um, so, one of the things that it was saying is Howard Hawks... He, he, for one thing, it was really funny. This is just a bit of trivia. Hmm. You know, that Technicolor, that color is just glowing off the screen. And it's purple and it's red. And he said, we used the most <clears throat> vulgar, loud colors we could possibly find. Oh, wow. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> these are chorus girls. Yes. We're just mm-hmm. going for the big, big look. Mm-hmm. But he said, um, but it basically is that he subverted conventional social mores, especially the notion of romantic love, which in 1953 would have been what everybody should go for. Mm. And so these two women are smoking, drinking, and I don't know that those things are so bad, but uh, they never smoke in the movie. They just have cigarettes given to, you know, brought. Mm. Buy me some cigarettes, would you? Yeah. And they party like mm-hmm. she's been on that boat for 10 minutes. And Dorothy <laughs> has the whole Olympic team in her cabin having drinks before oh, yes. they leave. That was yeah, great. Mm-hmm. I know she is sexually liberated. Basically. I mean, you, nothing's ever happening, yes. but mm-hmm. they're not worried about that stuff. Right. And so that's really shown in her song. Um, Ain't there anyone here for love, which is she's just wandering through the men's Olympic team and they're wearing flesh colored shorts. So, you know, they're kind of making a point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, and so, and she is the one objectifying the men. Right. I, I love yeah. big muscles and red corpuscles. I love a big hunk of man. And she's just admiring the muscles and the strength and all the things. And that's not usually what a woman did. They might admire it, but they would just kind of talk to somebody else about it or, 
you know, I'm thinking of movies. I can't think of anything with anything like that. Yeah, right. How interesting. And then, yeah. Yeah. And then there's something else that I was, and I had to read about this. Rose knew about it. She's educated in film. But it's called The Male Gaze. Do you know about that? Well, I know what that is in real life. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So um, it's the idea that the camera takes a male perspective. Okay. Which then sexualizes female characters. So in a movie that you're watching, it may show it a lot more from the man's point of view or the story from the man's point of view. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And so it says, basically what Howard Hawks does is he hijacks it for the women to show how they're controlling what the men are seeing. How interesting. Okay. By how they're dressing and Uh acting and supporting each other and basically running everything. Huh. Well, that's interesting. So, I mean, is, are, are they saying that um, a camera normally is kind of a male perspective? That's the idea of the male gaze. At least up until yeah. 1953, anyway. I mean, well, maybe it still me, is. Okay, l- let me just This look. is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It says, in feminist theory, the male gaze is the act of depicting women in the world in visual arts, blah, 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 from a masculine perspective that presents and represents women as sexual objects. Okay. So this was developed, blah, blah, 20th century French philosophy. But they do talk about it in terms of film. I've seen that before. There's also a female gaze. I guess that's what we got. But it's interesting. So now I need to watch it again to see if I can see something that I would say, oh, I see what they're saying. Yeah, so this Um, says, in a narrative film, the visual perspective of male gaze is the sight line of the camera as the spectator's perspective. That of a man whose sight lingers on the features of a woman's body. Mm. Well, let's not say the movie doesn't do that because <laughs> guess what? They are on display, uh-huh. but they're deliberately on display. Right. And they're kind of just, here we are. Mm-hmm. Like when they walk in to have dinner. Yes. Everybody in the room, in this huge room, starts talking and looks at them because they're right. quite a, a beautiful and amazing spectacle together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So anyway, yeah, so okay. yeah, so this idea is that if the camera is usually showing the man's perspective and especially they're talking about, you know, sex and everything. Yeah. Then this movie kind of does it more from the women's perspective and certainly the screenplay does. Mm-hmm. And at that song I was talking about definitely does. Yeah, sure, sure. But yeah. um, you know, it's just kind of interesting. It is very I don't interesting. Know if that's you know, and, and it's like yeah, it's like they're hijacking that gaze or using it to their advantage, mm-hmm. right? They're saying, okay, well, this exists and let's use it. Yeah, I'm going to – well, mm-hmm. and that's really what they're doing in the movie, right? They're going, yeah. here I am, and I know what you like to look at, and I'm going to use this to achieve my goal. And it's not that they're mean, mm-hmm. but they're just good at manipulating the men because they know what it takes to manipulate the men and the men go for it. Right. So instead of the men winding up being the ones who are dominating the women, the women are using what they have to handle things in a masculine world. So when everybody Mm. is um, paying to be at the table (laughs) where Lorelai's sitting and $50 now would be about $500. Wow. So they're all paying $50 and she comes up and says, well, I want this person at my table. And the 
guy, the head waiter says, oh, I'm sorry, the table's full. And she goes, oh, <laughs> and tells the example about the time she didn't show up for dinner and all the money had to be given back. And he went, oh, wait, I found a space. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. But even when, and this, but then so later on when, you know, it seems like everybody's got the goods on her and they're in the hotel and there's the um, insurance man and Lady Beekman and the detective and they all seem to have everything on their side mm-hmm. for arresting or taking back money and money's been cut off that they had the letter of credit. They don't accept that. They do what a man would do. They leave. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I'm laughing because Dorothy says that, you know, she says, you know, men take off. Yeah. Yeah. She's, you know, when when things get hot, I mean, they leave. Yeah. 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 Well, and, um, and they wind up in that cafe with no money, sharing a cup of coffee, singing, of course, a wonderful song and dance number there, (laughs) um, for the little, uh, street kids. And, um, just a bit of trivia there, that number was edited out in the French version of the movie. Really? Yep, because those boys were of North African descent, and the French authorities didn't think it was appropriate for those two white ladies to be dancing with them. Really? I always thought of France as being in a lot France, more open-minded yeah. than that. That's I know. surprising. I was like, very surprised. <laughs> but strange. so they're doing this. They get along with everybody. They're because they're working class girls, even though they're not dressed like it, and they've just been to all these amazing places. And uh, there goes the taxi driver who they befriended and taxed well and treated right. And he stops mm-hmm. and picks them up, and you assume he like had his wife take care of them and then help them get that job. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> How interesting. Yeah, that's that's fascinating stuff. Um, yeah, I wonder why on earth that. Uh, that France would do that. Yep. <laughs> well, because we all get silly ideas sometimes. <laughs> yes, for sure. But anyway, so that's why a lot of women today will be watching going, hold on. Mm-hmm. These women are running the show. Yes. And Thelma and Louise, they're kind of running the show by the end of the movie, but they're doing it horribly. It's not in their best interest. They don't have a goal in mind, really. Yeah. Their one idea of what to do is to drive off the cliff. <laughs> They're right. victims the and, whole and time. And these two didn't drive off the cliff. You know, they ended up very happy. <laughs> um, but th- that's so very right, you know. And um, wow, you know, that. yeah, they, they ended up, you know, I, I keep going back to this idea that we talked about them sort of going into the masculine society, almost taking the male role. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Thelma and Louise, and they were taking the male role and acting it out. And uh, yeah. so, in other words, they they um, tried to turn the tables on them to treat them in the way that they've been treated. Well, they sure did try it, didn't they? Yeah. With that truck driver, for one. Yeah. Right, with the truck driver. And then here, there's more of an acceptance of society as the way it is. Mm-hmm. And a um, moving in that society using the skills that they have um, as women. Yeah. And I can, yeah, so I can completely see this as a feminist thing because they are being women and they are running the show. 
Yeah, and when you think about it, I re- what I love is, now that we're talking, really thinking about after the rug's been pulled out from under them, they have no money, all this stuff, they go back to what they were doing before. They're in Paris, they're headliners, and they're being chorus girls or showgirls, really. Mm-hmm. And um, again, though, the song that's being sung this time by Lorelai, Diamonds are a Girl's Best Friend, it sounds like it's a super mercenary, I just want money song. But when you listen to the lyrics, it's talking about, in the end, you know, I'm going to lose my figure, I'm going to get old, this is the only security I'll have, are Hmm. these diamonds. Yeah. And at one point, she says, then the louses go back to their spouses. (laughs) But diamonds are a girl's best friend. Right, right. And so it really kind of underlines the fact that she doesn't, she's just doing what she has to do. Mm-hmm. This is her livelihood she's looking out for in that sense. Yeah. And she, But they're not bitter about it. I mean, they're not happy when Gus shows up, but they haven't called him and complained. They haven't um, tried to get men. They've just gone, okay, well, here's what we're going to do now. And I'm going to sing a pointed song about it, and it is going to be the best one ever. <laughs> People are going to love it. Yeah. And they still love it. They do. Yep. Nice. <clears throat> yeah. And it, it has me thinking about, you know, society, uh, male, female roles, all that stuff, you know, and mm-hmm. how, how muddy it is right now in ours. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I know it's a sensitive, well, I don't know. It's not a sensitive subject for people that are in the Catholic Church mostly, but, you know, male priests yeah. and, and not not allowing females to be priests and um, oh yeah, I don't know. But how do you, how do you view that that um, situation about men, about women men, in men the Catholic being, Church? Yes, exactly. I think it's fine. Yeah, I do too, and that's why I'm saying it's not like a a big controversy inside the church. No, really, <laughs> yeah. there are people who would like women to be priests, but I'm perfectly fine. I. It, <laughs> You know, I've been to Episcopalian churches and so forth where there are women Mm. priests, and it just, I think I'm too Catholic. It just doesn't (laughs) feel right somehow. Yeah. But um, I think it's because I'm so used to this idea that, you know, Jesus was not foreign to women being friends. A group, whole group of women traveled with him, may have even helped support him financially, all this stuff. He would talk to women on the street when you never did that. I mean, Mm. he was, he had a quality out the wazoo. Yeah. Oh, that's so disrespectful. Never mind. <laughs> but he did. Right. And so mm-hmm. if he wanted priestesses, he would have had priestesses too. Yes. He didn't. Yeah. And part of that, the reason the church carried on with it, I was just reading recently, and you probably already knew this, but it was so interesting is they're like, okay, this is what Jesus set up. And it comes from the Jewish tradition. So, of mm-hmm. course, Jesus did this like this, because guess what? He set that up too, divine as well as human. So, yes, right, right. But then... They were talking about the role of priestesses in their modern world as they knew it. Well, these were like, you know, temples of Aphrodite, all these pagan uh, religions that had women running it. Well, you can't do that and be just like everybody else. You have to be who you are. And the Catholic Church went, we are not those people. We're not pagan. We don't have priestesses. That's why they didn't cremate people, because that's what pagans did back then. They Now you can, because everybody's lost that connection. And what's happened now is 
these uh, very more modern, progressive thinking Catholics, whatever it is who want to change that, all they can see is kind of the Thelma and Louise thing to me is, if we're equal to men, we should act like the men. Hmm. Well, what about being who they are and who God created them to be by doing things that women can do better than men? Like a lot, like the Little Sisters of Charity, is that mm. who it is? Yeah. Um, yeah. Giving the things that women can give that men can't by k- taking care of people. And, you know, and women run all kinds of things. I'm not saying don't do that, hmm. but, you know, just I don't see why this is a huge problem. Right, right. What also, what about, I mean, and here's another dirty word obedience. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. These two young women the, in um, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, they're obedient to what society demands. You know, they're working. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're, they're not going to be considered high class because of the way they're working. But they're not fighting it. Like you said, they're not trying to be men. They're not, you know, doing all these things. And it's the same way with um, this, with the church. Mm. What about being obedient to what society demands and seeing how that makes you blossom in a way you didn't expect? Yeah, being obedient to what the church demands, right? As opposed to what society demands. Oh, what did demands. I say? You said society oh, yeah, okay. demands, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Yep. No, we, Wrong. we knew exactly what you meant. Being obedient to what the church demands, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Thank you for fixing that. Absolutely. So it's just, um, yeah. It, yeah, and I don't see that changing. I, I don't know. I, I know that the, some people still think that, but... I don't see that that's on <laughs> on the future docket here. Yeah. No. No. Mm-hmm. And I know that people get worried about it and upset about it and um I'm not in a position to do anything about any of that, so I can't worry about it, but what I do is you know, the things that are dogma mm-hmm. if I'm saying it right, you can tell me, Mr. RCIA. <laughs> um Mm-hmm. didn't Jesus say he was going to always protect the church? The Holy Spirit would protect the church against the, up to the gates of hell. Right, yep. So, you know, mm-hmm. we've had 2,000 years of this, doing the same thing the way we're doing it, changing it as we need, yep, yep. but essentially the mm-hmm. way it is. Yep. Let's just, you know, let's worry about fixing the stuff that's already broken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree. I agree for you with you very much. <clears throat> and women do have a huge role in the church. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, they're half of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they are fully welcome to volunteer in a zillion ways or work <laughs> for it in a zillion ways, do all the things they want to do. You yeah, know? for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What what a fascinating thing to look at, you know, between these two movies. It's cool that you brought them to us this way. <laughs> well, because <laughs> it, it's yeah to to see them as a contrast is really interesting. Yeah, well, like I said, I was just so stunned. Um, it would never have occurred to me to think of it. So wherever I first saw it, I was I was glad of it. Hmm. They're just so they're so seemingly different, but underneath they're examining kind of the same thing. And the funny thing is, is so at the end, diamonds are a girl's best friend means the wedding rings, mm-hmm. and it flips them back to normal yeah. <laughs> in society. Right. Uh, 
Yeah. Because they have a marriage to look forward to and a family just like everybody wants. <clears throat> right. Yep. Which is something else where Thelma has been. So was it Thelma? Oh gosh. Louise. Okay. Susan Sarandon. I can't remember <laughs> now either. Has been treated so badly by men that she can't trust anybody even enough to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Where it's the girls from Little Rock. Sounds like they were skirting around with some of that, but it never happened the way it happened to them. Yeah, yeah. You know. Interesting. <clears throat> you know, another uh, feminist thing, um, have you heard of the Bechtel test? I have, yeah, and, and I can't remember what it is. You know, so for a given work of fiction to pass the Bechtel test, a work must have at least two women in it mm-hmm. who talk to each other. About something other than a man. Oh. Yeah. Well, I guess this passes. It does. <laughs> <laughs> Although they are talking about men a lot of the time. They are. <laughs> yeah, that they are. Um, who's who's Bechtel? Um, I, I think it's a. It was a feminist who well, was gosh. just noting that. Um, all the movies that she was seeing had women, you know, female characters that really weren't substantive. Got it. And then she said, well, you know, for you to have a substantive female character, that character must exist, <laughs> you know, without, uh, you know, at, at the purpose of a man or something like that. As a per- yeah, as a person, basically. Uh, as a person, exactly right. Well, mm-hmm. so here's the thing that's really funny is thinking about these two women they are always talking about men, you know, the, the Olympic team, getting diamonds from somebody, giving diamonds back to somebody, going shopping, whatever it is. They're the most girly girls ever in that way. But yet you don't ever feel like they're not their own women and you don't know who they are. True. Because yeah. there's the men that they're defining themselves by, they aren't really defining themselves by those men. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. um, I can see the point of the Bechdel test being these women are always defining themselves by the men that they're talking about mm-hmm. as a reflection of it or whatever. Right. Um, and I and I know books like that, and I've seen movies like that, of course, you know, where here's, here's a woman, she's the wife. She made yeah. dinner and talked to the husband <laughs> about the kids, and that was it. But these ladies are not like that. Right, and they are driving the plot. I mean, they're... They're the ones mm-hmm. that, that make things happen. Things aren't happening to them. Mm-hmm. They are driving the events. Yeah. Yep. So in the spirit of that test, it passes. In the literal part of it, no. Gotcha. Gotcha. Whereas yep. Thelma and Louise also passed the test, <laughs> although they're usually talking about men too, the one they killed. <laughs> Maybe not in the same way that they intended the test. Oh, how funny. <laughs> The one that they slept with who stole all of their money, mm-hmm. but, you know, and, um, yeah, it's just a funny thing. And looking at these two sets of best friend ladies who, uh, one, the Thelma and Louise thing is like, yeah, go girls. And you look at the whole movie and then you look at this other one and I go, I think I'd rather be these other ladies. You know, of course, it's a musical. <laughs> they're showing it in different ways. I yep, can't say yep. that they're made to, to in the same way for the same reason at all. Right. But underneath, 
when you compare it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. as you say, the ones who are fulfilling their role as women in under these circumstances seem to be um, more well, satisfied. They didn't end up at the at the bottom of a, of a ravine or whatever they drove into. No, they each had <laughs> they a diamond on their hand. Have a whole life in front of them. Yeah, gonna say their vows. That's right. And I like when they're going down the aisle to meet the men and Jane Russell whispers to uh, Marilyn Monroe, remember, honey, it's okay to say yes on your wedding night. Yeah. So kind of implying that they've been holding people off the whole time. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, so I've seen that there's a Marilyn Monroe um, biopic coming up. Oh, yeah? um, with Anna de Armas is playing Marilyn Monroe. I'm not sure where it's going to oh. be, but, hmm. um, you know, I don't know a lot about Marilyn Monroe, but I always was under the impression that she was sort of, I don't know, put in a box, I guess, where, you know, the way that she was acting in this movie, for example, I have no mm-hmm. idea what she was like in real life, but it was like men would think, okay, this is the way she is. Mm-hmm. And she felt like she had to be that all the time. Is yeah. that all truth? That's my impression. Okay. Um, I know she grew up in an orphanage. And I know that she got married at 16 and then worked in a factory or something for a while and then kind of got discovered as a pinup model. Hmm. And so while she was doing that, she was, you know, they took some pictures maybe that they shouldn't have taken. Um, or she mm-hmm. said yes to pictures she shouldn't have said yes to because, you know, um, you're young and flattered or stupid or whatever it is or all the things or you need the money, whatever's going on. So, um, and then she got discovered for movies and she started doing different parts. And um, the only other movie besides the two you mentioned I've seen her in is All About Eve, which is about Betty Davis, who's a very smart woman in it. Mm-hmm. And gosh, I can't remember Eve's name in it. Oh, gosh. Anyway, also very smart, but um, about the theater world. And then Marilyn Monroe is in that for five or ten minutes. And she's also playing somebody who's ditzy, again. But the five or ten minutes she's in it, you can't take your eyes off her. Huh. She's talking some. Yeah. But she's not the main point of what's going on. So the camera loves her. And um, I think it was easy to typecast her. I don't know. I've often wondered about like her last movie called The Misfits, but it looks very sad and depressing. So I haven't mm. watched it, but it has a huge cast. Clark Gable, all these people are in it. And um, mm-hmm. yeah. And I know that she wasn't the person she portrayed. I mean, in this movie, this character is showing she's smarter, as we said, than just being a ditzy blonde. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't really care about her life story. Seems uh-huh. very sad. What with yeah, you know, it does seem very sad. So she died at age thirty-six. Yeah, of yeah. a drug overdose. Yeah, she was married three times. You know, by the time she was thirty-six. In fact, right. she was. She had divorced. So Arthur Miller was a playwright. So Joe DiMaggio, Jim James right. Doherty, Jim Joe DiMaggio, and Arthur Miller. Yeah, and uh, all that before the age of thirty-six. Yeah, and James Doherty must have been the person she married when she was 16. And they were married for four years. 
Okay. And then Jane Russell seems to have had a very different um, existence, I guess. She lived until age 89. Yeah, yeah, and she did stuff. She did all this charity stuff. She had an interesting career because she was discovered by Howard Hughes, and she was in The Outlaw, where mm. the only thing anyone remembers The Outlaw for is <laughs> the outfit she was wearing and how she was displayed in it. So yeah. that's kind of one of the ironic, maybe, things about the movie. I don't know if it was deliberate, but when we were talking about the male gaze, mm-hmm. that was a very controversial movie because of the scandal about how the movie showed her body. And he had to kind of convince the censors to let those pieces stay in the movie because they thought it was indecent. Hmm. So she, it's interesting that in this, she's the smart one. You know, she's definitely, to me, she's kind of like a statuesque goddess. I love her. Uh She looks amazing. She does. Mm -hmm. But, and so she's kind of the counterpoint, of course, to Marilyn Monroe. But, um, but by being that character, instead of being ditzy or just sexy, she it's the counterpoint to the male gaze idea, which she's already been the subject of. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of funny. Yeah, that is funny. Thinking about it. And yeah, she did that movie before this one. Interesting. Oh, that was, yeah, because that was her first one. Wow. Yeah. The Outlaw. Mm-hmm. And then, but then she did other movies. She did this. And then I'm thinking... You know, I was reading this before, and I don't have it up in front of me, but maybe like 1957. Her movies have been getting less and less uh, popular for whatever reason. And so she just quit. Uh She formed a gospel group and was singing. And then she eventually wound up with um, some records and a solo Las Vegas act and everything. And then she came back and did some more movies or maybe TV. But, you know... Yeah. She was kind of like the character in the movie. She just kept on going. <laughs> you know, yeah. I liked that about her. And so, oh, I did want to say, too, that in this movie, both the actresses are singing their own stuff. Are they really? Because yeah, that's a Darryl question Zanuck, that I had. Right. Daryl Zanuck wanted, he figured we just have to dub it. Uh-huh. And what happened was um, they made uh, the musical director, Lionel Newman, I don't know if he's in the famous Newman music family, but he put together a vocal rendition of the opening number from multiple takes and they played it and went, he went, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. <laughs> and Marnie Nixon, who Marnie Nixon, I don't know if you've heard her voice. She dubbed for everybody. Mm. Audrey Hepburn in my fair lady. I mean, Deborah Carr in uh, King and I, I mean, she just, she was really good at it. And um, they wanted her to dub Marilyn Monroe's voice. And she said, she thought her voice was suited to the part perfectly. And so the only thing she wound up singing was that operatic, uh, the no, uh, no, 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 yes, in yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. That was the only part. Wow. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. So, yeah, they both did their own singing. Yeah. And, oh, uh, let's see, I have a little bit more trivia okay. while we're here. Yes. So, um, <laughs> the in there, Ain't There Anyone Here for Love, which is, Jane Russell with the Olympic team and there she's crouched down. They're all diving into the pool over her head. And then she goes into the water at the end. She wasn't supposed to somebody oh. accidentally knocked her into the water, Oh, but she came out singing. Oh, wow. And doing the part and they lifted her out and 
so that whole bit at the end was all we know what we're supposed to do we just keep going <laughs> and when they saw it in the dailies howard hawks liked it so much that oh, he kept that's it that's great oh yeah. that's cool isn't mm-hmm. that great that is really great yeah mm-hmm. that is neat and then mm-hmm. um gwen verdon who's a famous uh, like choreographer dance instructor kind of person she coached jane russell and marilyn monroe in their dancing and walking so that jane russell would have more sex and marilyn monroe would have less <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i just That's thought that funny. was so funny uh, yeah that is hilarious yeah oh wow yeah well and yeah so one of the things i was talking about with the pictures that she took that were unwise nude photos and things mm-hmm. those came out maybe in playboy about the time this movie was being finished up oh wow so um, they originally had a very different costume for Marilyn Monroe to wear during Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. And it was just the tackiest thing ever. I found a picture of it. Oh, it's just awful. And um, they went, no, we need to make her a lot more classy. <laughs> so people don't think about that. We have to make her look more like an actress and less of a bombshell. Oh, wow. And so mm-hmm. they say they changed that whole number and then – reshot some stuff with some of her outfits wow how interesting yeah, yeah. so she'd be a little less i mean i hate to say, blonde bombshell is probably yeah. the nicest way to say it right right wow so yeah it's amazing how i know that it happens today too i mean we we had this conversation i forget which movie we were talking about but it's like i, I think i said some like it's amazing that they thought that way back then but oh, you're yeah. like oh they still do and i was like yeah, really yeah it's like yeah. yeah so because, yeah, so yeah. What, what happens, like, you know, with Tom Cruise or something, um, mm-hmm. you know, he does something silly and it affects something in the movie that he's doing. I mean, I just think that that's incredible. Yeah. You know? Where they're like, this movie's coming out and everybody thinks this. Right, right. So he better not be acting as if that persona is who we're seeing in the movie. Right, right. Because people don't like what he did. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tom Cruise is a good one after yeah. the jumping over the couch thing. Right, right. Whatever. Yeah. Which I always he, just thought that was just hijinks. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I didn't pay attention. <laughs> you don't get uh, Tom Cruise daily? <laughs> <laughs> I used to, but now that he's 60, he's too old. <laughs> don't oh, tell him man. I said that. That's right. Oh, too fun. <laughs> I love the Mission Impossible movies so much. I just love they're them. They're good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really just love them. I don't love them as much as you, they're, but I like them a lot. They're documentaries, really. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say this. I really love Tom Cruise. Ah. I think he's a better actor than he gets credit for. Kind of like Marilyn Monroe in a yeah, lot of ways. Sure. I think he's a better actor than he gets credit for. And I think... I like him in movies. Mm, yeah. I mean, I've never seen like the one he did where he was going against type, where he's driving around in the taxi and being a hitman or whatever. Yeah. Had Jamie Foxx was the taxi driver, maybe. Oh. Yeah, I don't think I've um, seen that one either. Yeah. I'm, but I'm sh- sure he did a fantastic job. Yeah. Um, yep. But I've always just liked him. I've always had a soft spot for him. That's cool. I mean, I saw Risky Business and that was it. I yep. liked him. <laughs> That's cool. I like him too. Yeah. yeah. Quite a bit. Yeah. Can't help it. 
Maybe there is yeah. something to Scientology. <laughs> Bite your tongue. <laughs> Cut this out of the podcast. <laughs> We're going to have a talk after. <laughs> I got some Catholic brainwashing That's to do. That's right. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, I love oh, it. Oh, goodness. Oh, well, thanks for this movie. It was really oh, yeah. fun. Uh, I just well, really liked it. Yeah, and who would think we could talk this long about it? No, yeah. I mean, my favorite is still Henry Spofford the <laughs> Third. <laughs> Can you please help well, me? Love, I'm stuck. Here, let me I think about when, it. <laughs> that one's great. Yeah, yeah, he sticks his hand out to be kissed. And, <laughs> um, well, the uh, the part I like is at the dinner table, where. Um, uh. Lorelai has been telling Dorothy, now talk to him. Mm-hmm. You know how you're so cold to these guys? When he shows up, I want you to be charming to him. And he shows up and he's, what, eight or whatever yeah. he is. <laughs> and, and so she's making conversation with him, which is just regular, like, are you traveling alone? What? How does this happen? And she, goes, and she looks over his head and goes, how am I doing? How am I doing? Oh. This just has this movie. We've been talking about all this other stuff, but that's all just what goes into these these clever lines. Oh, so good! Um, yeah. The way things go wrong and have to be gotten out of. I mean, it's just it really is a screwball comedy, and yeah. it's with lots of fun music that you will mm-hmm. sing the next day all day for and annoy sure. Everyone yeah. in your house with, <laughs> and some the most amazing clothes you've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a few men scattered around to give them a reason to do all of it. <laughs> oh, too good. Yeah. Just fun. Just fun. Yeah. That's great. Go, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to get one of those girls one day. Yes, or one like bet. them, I guess. <laughs> Henry Spofford III. Someone will be out there going for him. That's right. For sure. For sure. Is that bow tie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, or when, Excellent. I'm sorry to keep doing this. I'm sorry. Right. When, they're, when they're arranging around that table mm-hmm. and um, Lorelai wants to be sure there's a seat for Henry Spofford III next to Dorothy so she has her trade places with somebody. And she goes, she doesn't like to ride backwards. It makes her sick. There's not a huge <laughs> liner. Oh, and man. she just tosses it off. Just, oh, she doesn't like to ride backwards. <laughs> you know, it's just, I don't know. It's oh. just, it makes, I love this movie. Yeah. It's just so much fun <laughs> and very clever. Right. And he's, yeah. uh, Spofford the third is what trying to, to decide whether to help Marilyn Monroe out of this porthole. He's oh. thinking about it. <laughs> that was so good. He's okay. I'm going to help you for two reasons. And she's like, I don't care what the reasons are. Just help me. <laughs> and he says, the first is I'm too young to go to jail. Yeah. <laughs> and the second is you have got a lot of animal magnetism. <laughs> Good thinking man right there. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Just fun. <laughs> the animal magnetism does it every That's time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too funny. Goodness. Too fun. Yeah. Oh, very good. Well, cool. So, what do we have next? Next, we have part three of our no, not oh, really. Gosh, not I really. Wish. <laughs> is this what you came up with? Because I got nothing yes. else. <laughs> oh yes, this one is uh, "Let the Right One In." Is next. Oh, yes, that's what I meant. The opposite of everything. The opposite of everything. Yes, it is. Yeah, we we changed the order, so we're doing three movies in a row here, and then we're going to do three books right. in a row. Yeah. Um. But uh, let the right one in, not the book, but the movie. 2008 mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. Sweden, 
Not the American version, please. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're yeah. going with the one that brung us. That's and right. And I saw this thing and it was like, yeah. oh my gosh. You bet. This is crazy. This, this movie. This is going to start our October. It's. <laughs> yeah. Well. You picked two very interesting items yes. this Halloween, which we'll talk about, I guess, mm-hmm. when we get to Rosemary's Baby because. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just feeling like pure evil, evil. is everywhere. <laughs> I can't really say it right. <laughs> evil, evil, evil. No, yeah. neither of us has it right. I don't know who says it right, Vincent Price or somebody, but mm, probably so. Yeah, we have to find him. That's right. We will find anyway, him. We will find him. But these are going to be fun. The point. And Rosemary's Baby, not the movie, but the book. <laughs> yeah, no, That'll be yeah, nice after that. Yeah. yeah. Right. Two of them have yeah. books. Have you read the Let the Right One In novel? No, the okay. movie was as much, if not okay. more, than I I was just handle. curious. Yeah. I was curious yeah. if, if anyone has. So I have not either. No, but I think the author wrote the screenplay. Oh, good. Okay. So yeah. I think it's if it's different, I think it's different only in places where just you're translating it to a different mm. medium. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yes, it's been a lot of fun. And we'll see you in Paris. <laughs> if we don't get kicked out of our hotel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, take care, all. Yeah. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. In a couple Bye-bye. weeks. Bye-bye. <laughs>